Hey everybody, it's Eric. You can call them ghosts if you'd like, or as I like to call them, the living impaired. Hey guys, this is Joe. Not so fast, little man. The bitch is back. Welcome to Whipstaff Man. Happy hour. Where you don't have to be alive. Hi, To be the life of the party. Could this be an expression of hostility? Universal Pictures. I feel like Oprah on hiatus. And Amblin Entertainment. Cool. Present. Smallagram. Casper. Are we scary or what? Yes. Rated PG. Special sneak preview Saturday and Sunday. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast for two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's been a, a good week. I, I know uh, one thing we're both happy about is our local coffee shop, Caldi's, um, opened up. They, they've, with all the craziness and the COVID stuff, they closed for a while. And if you live in the Haverhill, Massachusetts area, Caldi's is like, if there was two unofficial sponsors and what would make them unofficial, unofficial sponsors of the podcast, and the unofficial part is, they don't pay us. It would be it would be Caldi's and the Tap because we kind of came up with the idea for the podcast having beers at the Tap, and right down the street from the Tap is Caldi's. It's this coffee shop in Haverhill, Mass, run by the nicest guy in the world. His name's Aziz, and he's the sweetest guy in the world. And so they opened back up this week, which is very nice, and hopefully they're able to keep it going. And um, yeah, it's a good sign. Yeah, it's, it was nice. I've been like, I can count on my hands how many times I left the house since like March. So it was, it was nice to have an excuse to kind of get out there and support local businesses, CIZs, and yep. actually meet his wife this time, which is kind of nice. They had the whole family working there, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. The first day they were open, I think they, I think I told them the night before because I saw on Instagram that they were getting a lot of feedback and <laughs> to the announcement that they were opening. And I told them, I was like, I think you're going to be busy. And I think he was. I think he was pretty swamped that first day so hopefully the he can keep the momentum going and everything will be good yep have you uh, watched anything good at all i i started watching something that i would have never thought that i would because i didn't i was never really super into the original but brie was we started watching unsolved mysteries on netflix have you watched any of them no i i've obviously seen the original but i hear the new ones really good I, I you know I hear I hear mixed things I should say I hear people who like really love the original say it's a little bit of a letdown but people who didn't love the original as much really like this so yeah I, just, I never I've seen episodes of the original I was just never like I, I, a huge fan not not like I didn't like it I just never got into it so I kind of treat this as its own thing because I don't I don't remember the original enough to compare it to it really um, I liked it I we've only I've watched three episodes so far and. Two of them were really good or really interesting to me. One of them was kind of stupid, but I think anytime there's a show that's like a murder mystery or conspiracy theory show, it's going to be, you're going to get something you're like, this is stupid. Cause I, I think of myself as like, I usually doubt when, if you come up with crazy theories, I'm going to doubt like probably seven out of 10 of them. So the episode that I didn't like, it just wasn't meant for me, but uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch yeah, I'm still going through uh, Mr. Robot, as I have been mentioning. We have How six, many seasons of that? 
only four, but we only watch a couple episodes a night. Um, Nick and I, so we, but we're getting the show. You get rewarded for people who stick around for two seasons to get like to one of the characters and all of their weaknesses. The last two seasons, three and four, are some of the best on TV, I think. So you get rewarded for if you stick around for those for the last two seasons. And man, like we're in the final six episodes, and it really is nonstop. It's That's like, how, go ahead. No, I was gonna say like I remember when I was on TV, US it was playing all the softs. Like they would have um, commercial free episodes for certain episodes. They would it's almost like an event. It turns this into an event for the final season, which is really cool. That's how I felt. I know we talked about it before on the podcast, but about the wire. Um, is like if you put the time in and believe in it, once it, the first couple of se- seasons aren't bad. They're good, but they're not like they don't grab you but then once you're in it and it all comes together you're like oh my god and you feel like you're like you feel like you did time in a good way you're like i built the foundation i get this like i get all you know so that's awesome yeah absolutely so do you want to talk about the beer well well well, to explain the beer before we explain the beer what are we watching today i mean i'm sure people already know because of the intro but oh yes is well maybe so we're, we're watching uh we're bringing halloween to July with the film Casper. So the reason why I picked it is this podcast has given me a reason to revisit films I loved when I was younger and unfortunately might not watch anytime soon unless they're on TV. Casper uh, oh. is that film that deserves my attention. And boy, it really was fun watching this film again. I watched it with my brother. So as we were watching it together, we were calling out all the scenes that we remember happening before it happened. So it was like a nice little uh, trip down memory lane for us. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I had a pretty similar, I remember watching it as a kid. I remember I had the VHS and um, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid. And so, although I thought it was weird that you picked to review it. Well, you know, I was like, it's weird that you want to do this movie in July, but then it came out in May, which is kind of weird. So right. um, to go with that. So when Joe said we were, going to be watching casper as you guys probably know we try to find a beer when possible when and when it's not ridiculous um we try to find a beer that we can kind of tie to the the film so a guy i work with matt has been telling me about this uh brewery called wandering soul um which i mean that's perfect for casper if you've never seen the movie i think you kind of get the idea what ghosts are is they they're a soul that's kind of stuck they're kind of stuck in between life and death. And so they're haunting or, you know, hanging out on earth. So um, it's wandering soul, Ben don't break IPA. And again, um, I think wandering soul breweries in Lynn, Massachusetts, I could be wrong, but my uh, friend and coworker, Matt is the one that recommended the beer to me, not just for this movie, but in general, he's been <clears throat> telling me I should try it for a while. So it's funny. I just have to look at the can and grab it for this, uh, because you brought you you gave, gave me this along with the other one last week, and I thought the beer was called Wandering Soul. I didn't realize it was actually a brewing company name. That's super cool. I, the name's on the bottom of the beer, which I completely miss. It's a really cool yeah, beer, I, beer brewing company name. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I talked to Matt about it because because he's been telling me to try it for a while, and I just I wasn't against it. I just hadn't gotten around to it. And um, I guess so. So this this Bend Don't Break is their IPA. I guess they have a double IPA coming out soon, maybe this week or something, but. Um, yeah, this is good. I, I, I think of it as like, I told him, and I mean this in like a great way. It's a solid introduction to, if you have a friend that you want to introduce to like quality IPAs, 
this is like a very good first, not because it's not great. It is good. It's just very drinkable. It's not a super high alcohol. So like, it's not like it's, you know, you have two of them and you're like feeling it. It's, it's, so it's good. It's very good. Very flavorful. So yeah, we're drinking Wandering Soul, Ben Don't Break, uh, watching, or we watched Casper. And so you said you're, do you have any real distinct memories of this film growing up or? I do. So, uh, I remember bringing my VHS tape over to my neighbor's house and watching it with my two best friends growing up and my brother. Real quick, real quick. Was your VHS copy, was it like the VHS box with like the padded, like the plasticky? Yes, it, it yes, opens yeah, up me with too. Like, yep, yep. yep. Uh, so I miss those, man. The old Disney films all had them and like the, all the kids' films had those cases. Probably they were so great. Yeah, there were so kids didn't smash themselves. Take, like, <laughs> one fall. They were great, but then when you like dented one like when you like if you like squeezed it or something and it got like compressed it was like oh no coming like, no no coming back from that yeah no, like cracking no. uh, but yeah their mom was a lot more strict than my mother was growing up so the scene towards the end when the word bitches dropped the, the line i said in the beginning she heard in the background their mother and she had one of those cartoon double takes and she was definitely a little upset about the whole thing so we had to show her the back of the case with the with that saving pg rating that let us slide. I was like, "Hey, like it's PG. You can't." We're playing can't, by the rules, right? We're playing by the rules here. So, but it's so it's it's one of those films that, just like I said in the beginning, it's I still remember scenes throughout as I was watching it. I could easily call scenes that are happening. So a lot of it was still in my in the back of my head. I remembered a couple scenes, but nothing super detailed. The one scene that I remembered, and. Th- well, I mean, I remembered a few scenes, but the one time I was watching it and I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen here is the scene where um, Bill Pullman's character um, uh, thinks that he's like, it, they kind of make you think he, his ex-wife or his, sorry, his wife who's passed away is going to like come through this gate and then it opens up and it turns out to be like one of the bad ghosts playing a prank on him. And That's I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but so that was the one time where I, for a second, I was like, I started thinking about, I was like, this is kind of early to, and then I was like, no, wait a minute. It's one of the ghosts. And I knew it. And then, but yeah, other than that, I didn't, I remembered Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman. Um, but I didn't, and I remembered the, the, the end dance just because we'll get into that later, but I didn't remember a lot of, and I remember that it was in Maine. That's about it. Yes. I should, I should forget about that until I was, I actually looked up and that's a real place in Maine. I'm sure I didn't know about it either. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, so I remember liking it, but that's about it. How did it do um, financially? So, uh, well, like we just mentioned, it came out on uh, May 26th, 1995 and it had a budget of 55 million making 287.9 million in the box office. It made what? It did really well in the box office. Two hundred eighty-seven million dollars. Yep, it did really well. It was there were talks of a sequel that they wanted to just get out pretty close. Obviously, for for you know for reasons, they wanted to get out pretty close to when this movie uh, was wrapping up because it did so well. But with the cast, they between different projects, it never came to be. They a couple of times they almost got other other <laughs> other parts uh, off and running, but. Instead, they had like a couple of direct-to-DVD videos to, re- to replace the theatrical release. Yeah, I saw that too, and it's funny because I remembered, I remembered that I thought that there were sequels to it, 
And I was like, I swear I remember seeing like other VHSs. Like when we worked at movie scene, I remember seeing other. So then when I saw, when I was reading up on the film that there was like, they wanted a sequel, but they could never get it done. I was like, I feel like there was a sequel. It just wasn't with this cast. And Right. It was with, uh, I, I think that was one that came out in 2000 with the, with the Wendy one. And then I think a Christmas one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But it was directed by uh, Brad Soberling and written by Sherry Stoner and Deanne Oliver. And J.J. Abrams was also an uncredited writer, which I'll touch a bit more on in the Random Facts section. And wasn't um, Spielberg involved too? Wasn't he like a... He was. Spielberg was also a producer. And his company, Amberlin, uh, they were the ones who put it out. So he's a producer on the film and James Horner did the score. And actually, I'll, like I said, I'll get to the, I'll get to the this in the run the facts section but the reason why jj abrams has a career in hollywood right now is because of this movie in spielberg so well, that's, that's cool. good yeah to to let people know how completely so like there's a few questions that i'm in charge of finding us some, some information and then there's questions that joe's kind of he takes care of and that reaction of mine about how it, this movie did financially was 100 percent genuine i had no idea i had <laughs> no idea that it did that well no and that i mean that's really that's like they killed it so no that's that's good so came out in may of 95 so about 25 years ago um a few facts i found mostly bad ones uh, mostly good ones for this one i'm going to start with the one sad thing Christopher Reeve is paralyzed. Okay. Now that actually surprised me because I felt like Christopher Reeve was paralyzed like way before that. Me too, because when did Superman end? Do I have you, no you idea. Know, do you? Yeah, it's, I, I thought it was early 90s. It was the 90s though, right? Do you know that? I, I'm trying to think about it. I, I know it happened pretty close to, to it ending. Yeah. But I, it's, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, like you said, I thought it was a little earlier than that, so... Because like my whole life, I remember my mom. Oh no no no! Oh yeah, wait no, hold on. Yeah, ninety five, May twenty seventh, ninety five. I just double checked it. So yeah, it's I I remember. I feel like Christopher Reeve since the day I was born. My mother was like, every time I was doing something stupid, she'd be like, "Don't be an idiot." Like you know, Christopher Reeve's like you know, because he was like this big strong dude, and he made you know, not that he was being an idiot when he did it, but um, yeah, that surprised me. So that's the one sad thing. And then, well, this one's kind of sad, but not really. Last basketball game at the old Boston Garden, Celtics oh, wow. and Magic. So, all right. My uncle actually has a piece of the uh, the garden floor. <laughs> I had one of those. I had one signed by Robert Parrish, and then I sold it on eBay because I was like, I was like, you know, I'm a I'm a casual basketball fan, and I'm pretty diehard hockey fan and baseball fan so i think i sold it and then bought like a uh, hockey or baseball memorabilia thing but um so yeah some film news from may of 95 other films that came out in may of 95 braveheart premiered at the seattle film festival crimson tide and die hard with a vengeance that's a pretty good month for absolutely a film so uh laverne and shirley had a 20th anniversary reunion special that aired on tv so that that that's a, that's a pretty good i mean that was way before our time but that show was huge yeah they're legendaries right and then other than that there was a bunch of people like you know they got killed and yeah, natural we can, disasters we can, we can and stuff but i'm yeah not including <laughs> <those>. them <laughs> yeah 
Nolan Ryan probably did something. I didn't see his name, but he probably did something. And you know, Mark McGuire hit home runs. So that's about it. No, no, we avoid the baseball news today. We brought this is this is a rare for us. This is this yeah, is a rarity. Well, it's, it's because Boston Garden. I was like, oh, I gotta write that. Gotta write that down. I have a I have a program from the old from the last year of the Boston Garden. Um, it's a, like it's like a collectible. Um, thanks for the memories program so it's pretty cool but that's, that's nice yeah yeah so back of the dvd summary what do we got tell tell the people what this movie's about all right ghost therapist dr james harvey and his daughter cat arrive at a drafty old whipstaff manor it's greedy it's greedy owner kerrigan has hired dr harvey to exercise the house's apparitions a friendly but lonely young ghost named casper who's just looking for a friend and his outrageous uncles stretch stinky and fatso the ghostly trio if the plan works, she and Dibs, her partner in slime, can get their hands on the manor's fabled treasure. Meanwhile, Casper has found a kindred spirit and cat, but the ghostly trio will not tolerate fleshies in their house. Yes. So that's pretty good. That's actually a pretty accurate back of the DVD summary. Sometimes they don't really tell you what it's about. But um, we talked about the financial, how it did financially. Critically, it was kind of mixed. Uh, it's currently a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. 47 percent on rotten tomatoes roger ebert did give did give it three stars so oh did he okay yeah he did so that's pretty good yeah um there's a there's quite a few pretty big name people that are involved in this film maybe just for a second uh, or whatever but some cameos but really the two people that i wanted to focus on going into this film are christina ricci and bill pullman so Pullman, who I will always think of as the president from Independence Day, um, he had Spaceballs in 87, Accidental Taurus in 88, Sleepless in Seattle in 93, While You Were Sleeping, and this in Casper in 85, Independence Day in 96 as the greatest president we've ever seen, this, these United States have ever seen. So this is kind of like right in the middle of his, his heyday. He was, yep. he was killing it <clears throat> at this time. And it's also... Um, I was thinking, I forgot he was in last week's episode. He was, he was in uh league of their own as the, that's right, as the that's useless right. was, husband. That, <laughs> right. We were talking about that. I'll at least see once too. So, right. And I completely forgot that. Like I, I didn't put the two together and then I was watching it and I was like, I was like, what did I just watch with Bill? Oh my God. The last movie we did, <laughs> but he's such a small part. Um, and then the other person in this film, Christina Ricci, who in my opinion is star of the show. Like definitely. The best part of this movie to me um she made her film debut in mermaids in 1990 as Cher's youngest daughter she did uh adam's family in 91 adam's family values in 93 this in 95 and then she kind of tried to like transition out of child actress status into more like mature roles and i think that was i've read somewhere that that was part of the problem with sequels is doing a sequel to this is she was kind of like i don't want to be a you know, doing 13 year old girl parts anymore. So right. she did the ice storm in 97 Buffalo 66 in 98 and then sleepy hollow in 99. So, but like I said, I, I, the big thing to take from that is Christina Ricci. She had a couple of movies going into this, but she stole the show for me. And I was listening to another movie podcast um, recently. And I don't remember who they were talking about, but they talked about seeing a, child actor or actress and even as a kid 
being like that kid like that kid's going places and when i was watching this this i was like christina ricci's destroying everyone on the screen with her like she's out acting bill pullman she's 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 the best part of the movie she's so i was thinking i was like i was i'm actually surprised i know she's had a good career but i'm surprised she hasn't had more yeah like huge like blockbuster films yeah she, she's doing a lot of indies lately there was one i just saw that she did last year i can't remember what it, was. it wasn't bad it was a nice charming film but yeah like seemed like we like like we said seeing her in this film and like in the 90s being you know back to back adam's family and this yeah but and then the other person who's in this movie for like one minute that got me when i first turned it on i was like all right i'm excited is uh chauncey leopardi from uh the sandlot he's one of the three so i was like i completely forgot that like i didn't i think when i was younger i just couldn't put that together and so i was like oh shit it's squints i was like i'm excited and then he's gone like with it crap but um, I, I had the biggest crush on Christina Ricci. Watched this movie as a kid. Like, and when I was a kid, like I was like this. She was like my little. Uh, it was like between her and like Lindsay Lohan growing up. They were the uh, the, the yep. star crushes. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, she's. And I'm saying this about current day Christina Ricci. She's a very beautiful woman. I don't want anyone <laughs> knocking on my door. I'm not saying this, you know. But no, I get what you're saying. Um, some. What do you have for random facts? Uh, I can touch upon what I talked about in the beginning there with um, J.J. Abrams and Spielberg. So Abrams was just starting off in the 90s, and he was the one who kind of rewrote this script and kind of touched it up. Spielberg really liked him and his work. So he they got along pretty well, obviously. And they he wanted him to come back and rewrite a film for him later on, but Abrams couldn't because he was doing The Lost Pilot. So he thought that was pretty much, he was already, he had that, he couldn't leave that. So he thought this was going to ruin his career, basically turning down Spielberg. Like you don't turn down Spielberg, right? But thankfully Tom Cruise also saw something in him and he had him come back for Mission Impossible 3. And from there we've seen him, oh, it was War of the Worlds. He was supposed to rewrite War of the Worlds for Spielberg in 04. Um, But he he came back into Mission Impossible 3 and from there his career, we've seen it. He's on Star Trek, he's done Super 8. Yeah, he's done all these great films. Some uh, some other uh, names that are were tied to this film and, and didn't get through it. Uh, some names, some other names that were tied to Bill Pullman's role of Dr. James Harvey. John Ritter, Tom Hanks, Dennis Quaid, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Tim Allen. So I think, I, I think if any one of those guys takes this even Tim Allen, even after I trashed on him in, in Galaxy Quest, um, I think this movie would have been better, in my opinion. But we'll get to that later. But um, this is the first, first feature film to have a fully computer-generated visual effects character in a leading role. So that's pretty cool. I wouldn't have guessed that it would, be, that it would have been this late, because I know 95, 25 years ago now, but it's still relatively modern. Um, right, we see like Roger, ra- we see like Roger Rabbit, who from Roger Rabbit yeah. as a main protag- as a main character as two D animation. So you think like you said, like they would have kind of by this point, nineteen ninety five years later, they would have a CGI main character. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I was surprised to see that. Um, the tech in this movie looks so good too. How good does this look? It's like the ghosts still look good to the twenty five twenty years later. Looks so yeah, good. No, this could this could hold this holds up special effects wise and, and everything like that. I never get that with movies 
where sometimes you watch like a like even even jaws like we talked about jaws right obviously there are scenes in jaws like particularly at the end when uh flint gets killed or quinn gets killed um there's there are sometimes you're like okay that's clearly a mechanical shark but there's a lot of special effects in jaws that are really good and and that's like a almost 50 year old movie and then sometimes i see movies that are made in like 2002 and and when you watch them now you're like the special effects look like crap so yeah no i agree with you though that the graphics and everything in this were, were great um do you know who James and Cat Harvey, the characters, are named after? No. They're named after Harvey Comics, the longtime publisher of Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, cool. I knew it was a comic originally, but I didn't realize it was I really, oh, that's, that's a really cool little, little tidbit there. Yeah, I'm educating you in comics, bro. Yeah, look at that. Uh, I think you kind of touched on this earlier, but the town of Friendship, Maine, is the name of a real village in Midcoast, Maine. It's near Camden and Rockport. Uh, where scenes of the scenes from the movie were filmed, the house that was used for Whipstaff Manor, which is insane, by the way, um, was also used to film uh, the Backstreet Boys music video "Everybody." Backstreet's ba- aka oh, that's, Backstreet's that's, back. That's real manor. I thought it was a, I thought it was a set for whatever reason. I didn't realize it was a real manor. I don't know if I'm sure parts of it were set, but yeah, the, the the maybe it's the maybe the exterior shots. I don't know. Oh, that's really no, that's really cool. Yeah. So. Um, this is the second movie in which Christina Ricci is the love interest of Devin Sawa, who, who Devin Sawa plays Casper in his human form. The other one is now and then the reason we didn't mention Devin Sawa, as far as like um, when I covered people, how they were going into this movie, like the big main characters is Devin Sawa's <clears throat> he's really in this movie for like four minutes. It's, it's, you know, spoiler alert. And then I never got, they have, do you know why they had that other guy, Malachi Pearson, do the voice? I don't know. It's because they sounded pretty similar. So it's like not a, it wasn't a huge difference in voice. I, I, I get like I said, Casper's very innocent sounding. But yeah, like I, I actually Devin thought. Sawa was like 12. He's pretty right. innocent sounding too. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was saying. That's why I threw me off because I thought that was when I looked it up. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if when in the live action scene, when it is Devin Sawa, and I don't know the answer to this. I wonder if they dubbed Malachi Pearson's voice over Devin Sawa, but either way, I'm like, it seems like a lot of work for, for no reason, especially when you have Devin Sawa, who's at the time, like on top of the world when it comes to like teenage Uh, actors. So yeah, I don't know. There were a lot of cool uh, cameos in this movie. Um, I'm not going to touch on all of them, but the Ghostbusters one, the big one, um, I hated that one. So, fun fact, that's actually canon, according to the director of Ghostbusters. This is actually that's canon. What? This is canon with the Ghostbusters film, so this is actually in the same timeline. What do you mean? So, Ghostbusters 1 and 2 is obviously part 1 and 2, and then the Ghostbusters game that came for PS3 is technically the third movie because they got the uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd wrote the game, and they got all the virtual voice actors back, so it's actually a continuation of the story. And the way that ends is they'll go their own ways and they all have their own businesses. So at this time, Dan Aykroyd is doing his own business routine on his own with this house. So it all falls in line with the Ghostbusters timeline. So it's not like in a different universe or just a dumb cameo. It actually is part of the Ghostbusters timeline. (laughs) I was just like, why are you doing that? I was like, Dan Aykroyd, like do better. You're you're better (laughs) than that. Um, um, 
anyway um oh yeah you were talking about cameos though were there any other cameos you want to mention i mean there was a lot there was we saw clint eastwood we saw ronnie dangerfield we saw um who else popped up in that um uh, the guy now. from the crypt the crypt keeper or yeah, whatever so it was, it was from the crypt that's right yep um there was supposed to be one and they filmed one where spielberg's face was there oh cool i know that but they, okay. they cut it for i don't know if it was like i don't know for whatever reason they cut it so um yeah no there, there's a bunch of good cameos in this film sometimes it's like the person playing themselves like in those cases and sometimes you're just like oh i know that guy that's that guy or that girl from from whatever <clears throat> um Another random one is after watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990 several times, Spielberg approached his director, Steve Barron, to direct this movie. However, Barron turned it down. He would later admit it was a mistake to turn this offer down, which it should say he would later admit that you should never turn Steven Spielberg down. That's really the right. mistake. He made, but, <laughs> um, the breakfast scene was the first scene. The breakfast scene was the first scene animated which is why Casper and the ghost ghostly trio appear more solid when compared to the rest of the movie. In addition to the, in addition, the pancakes that Casper serves the Harveys were completely animated and not actually there on set. Now, side note, this is the great, a really good example of like a scene where I was starting to enjoy the movie and then the Ghost Brothers came in and ruined the scene for me. I was like, all right, this is oh, a cool... This, no, I agree. This is one of my favorite scenes of the breakfast scene. This is one of my favorite scenes. For the, for the simple reason, I'll talk about it after, the food looks so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like the, my big takeaway from that scene is it looks so good. And, and I know it was CGI, so that makes it all the more impressive now. Right, so that's all I have for random facts. Do you have anything else? No, that's pretty much it things we talked a little bit before we started recording did you write any notes um for things that wouldn't fly like not in this millennium things that wouldn't get by in today's environment no it was pretty it was pretty tame this movie was marketed towards kids and they kind of had that in, the, in their mind the entire time i will say though watching this as a kid hearing the word bitch a couple of times was surprising back then it's not yep. as surprising now in 2020 but back then i thought that was a big deal well yeah it's also because you were what were you six years old right but i see like i remember seeing pg movies all the time but like they never like took advantage of like you know bitch or ass or whatever so right yeah um i i didn't have anything either that i found um like offensive or anything like that um i did make a note that kids today wouldn't understand um like in the in the opening scene when they're the two kids or the kids get into the house and they're they're trying to like prove how tough they are by getting into this haunted house and they're trying to take a picture but they don't uh like one of them's like I- i'm not taking a picture of you because then people won't know that i was here and the other one's like well i'm not taking a picture of you for the same reason and kids today just be like take a selfie dude take out your cell phone take a selfie it's not that difficult and then the only other thing that uh wouldn't be offensive it would totally fly but i was like that's kind of creepy uh is it's for a teacher to invite himself an entire class over someone's house without talking to the parents. I know. It just seemed a little weird. I don't well, think they meant All the kids like, signed up. Signed up to like, let's do it over her house. I thought it was kind of like, who the hell asked me? Right. <laughs> Imagine being that dad who like, the kid comes home and they're like, hey, all my classmates today decided that we're going to have a huge party at our house. I'd be like, oh, well, that sucks for you guys. That's not happening. I don't think they meant anything by it. It's just kind of a weird. Definitely lazy plot development situation um what was your favorite scene i want to mention a couple of quick scenes the first scene is what we just talked about 
when Cap begins to trust Casper and he makes breakfast. First off, it's just fun watching that bond develop. But when I was younger, I used to love watching him make that large breakfast with the uh, stack of pancakes and the egg machine. It became my idea of a perfect breakfast for a long time. So nostalgia won me over for this scene. Um, and then uh, I love the scene when Kat is in bed talking to Casper about her mom. Kat finally, you know, talking about her with this thing that she's trying to really trust is a nice little scene between the two of them. And he starts talking about if he was real, he asks her if she goes to dance with him. And she nods because she's about, she's still pretty, you know, she's high, it's late at night. And he says, which is, which was, it was a popular line back in the day. Can I keep you? Yeah. My, um, my favorite scene, I, I guess would kind of be, it's kind of like the, um, the opposite or the mirror image to that. And it was when Casper, when she kind of put some stuff together for him and he, and Casper starts putting together the memories and the pieces of his life. <clears throat> like when she redoes those toys or she puts sets up those toys for him and everything like that. It's nice. And then Kerrigan and Dibs come out of nowhere and ruin it, which is just, again, a recurring theme in the film for me was like every time I started getting into it, either Kerrigan, Dibs, or the three brothers would come in and just like make my skin crawl. And I was like, oh, God, get away. Like, um, but yeah, that, that would be, so it's kind of similar scene just on the other side for me. That was my favorite scene. Yeah, those, um, two, those two together stole the, stole the movie for sure. Whenever Casper and Cal were together, it was so good. Yeah, and and we'll get into this like later, but I, I you you're probably figuring out that I wasn't crazy about this movie, but part of why I wasn't crazy about it was, or is, I think there was a really 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 good movie to be made if you just did a couple things differently. So, but um, <clears throat> what about the soundtrack? I have two notes on the soundtrack. But you probably have more. Go ahead. No, a whole lot more. But I will say, my first scene when they're talking in bed together is because of James Horner's soundtrack. I think that that plays a big part in it. His score was incredible in this movie. I loved it. I think this, it, 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 his soundtrack in this movie is probably my favorite part of Casper. Um, it's really beautiful and really hopeful, and the fact that it's not on vinyl is a tragedy. But without his score, I don't know. I mean, I liked it. I, I, I really liked the movie, but I don't know if I would like it as much because his score really does carry a lot of the scenes emotional-wise. Yeah, so this is like a recurring thing with us is I, for, for me to be into like the score of a film, it has to be a huge... There are movies that I, I'm into and like off the top of my head, like I had the soundtrack to Rudy growing up. I had the soundtrack to um, a movie Far and Away with uh, Tom Cruise it has to be a huge part of the movie for me to get into like, or, or I'll be really into it, but I won't know anything about it. I'll be like, Oh, the sound, the music was great, but I don't know. I just don't look into things like that. I think more of just like songs that I know that played, you know, and um, other than two moments um, when that's life by Frank Sinatra, uh, old blue eyes is playing when they were, I think it was when they were driving. I was like, all right, I love this song. Yep. And then the song, Remember Me This Way, wow, which is what they're dancing to at the end. I remember that by Jordan Hill. I remember that because I remember the music video from growing up. So this is for kids that are for the younger listeners. Uh, music videos used to be a thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's what used to play on MTV. The M in MTV actually stands for music. And they used to just play music videos. Today and I, I remember. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I remember this one because when I was 10, when this film came out and it was every girl's dream to slow dance with Devin Sawa. So like every girl I knew was like, Oh my God, like they would hear the song and they'd think of that scene. So other than that, I, I like the, the, I I agree with everything you said. I just, I, I don't look into stuff like you do. It's just different. Um, if you could change one thing, what would you change about this film? All right. So spoiler alert, I have more than one thing. I, I kind of figured with that text you sent me earlier today. But anyways, <laughs> so the ghostly trio scenes were annoying, but there weren't any scenes in particular that I just dreaded and hated. But the scenes with Casper and Cat were better than all the others. But my biggest problem with the movie is the rules the movie follows were very confusing. So the ghosts can interact with the environment, but when trying to touch Cat's hand in the kitchen, her their hands go through each other. But later in the film, he's holding her as they fell the window together. So yep. it wasn't it wasn't consistent with if ghosts can touch you or if they can't touch you. They never explained that either, um, which was a huge problem for me. It kept taking me out of it a little bit. Uh, but I also liked the fact that Cass' father was, I, I'm, at least this is my theory, was conning people before taking the most recent job. When he sees Casper, a ghost, for the first time in the house, it definitely seems like it was the first time he ever saw a ghost. <laughs> so yeah. the fact that like he's, he doesn't know how to react around a ghost, a pretty friendly ghost, might, might I add, it makes yep. me think that he was, before he's, he's like, these like TV spots with him like talking to older women, I'm pretty sure he conned yeah. these older women to like, be, like, like, you got uh, ghosts in your house. <laughs> he's like, who is that? Oh my God. Who is that Jamaican woman that did the, like, uh, she was like, call me now for your free movie. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah. That's like Pharaoh or Pharaoh or something like that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm butchering it, but I know you're talking about the. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, Cleo, yes. The fortune teller. Call me now for your free. <laughs> Every, if we have a listener in Jamaica, they're like, and I'm done. He Our was Jamaican the, accent. He was the Cleo of ghost hunters. <laughs> yeah. So I have two, two things at first. One, I say all the time, either positively or negatively. I think this movie was too long, but not, it wasn't too long. It was, it was, it was just, there was too much fat on it. It was like, it could have been 20 minutes shorter and you, we wouldn't have lost anything that we needed or it could have been the same length and they could have used 20 minutes of the film better in my opinion. So, but I'm going to skip past it. Cause I always talk about like runtime and stuff like that. Um, and focus on something else, which is casting. Uh, particularly Kathy Moriarty uh, as Carrigan and Eric Idle as Dibs. They were both horrible. It's particularly tough when you think of where they came from. Moriarty who was nominated for an Academy award in raging bull an idol coming from all the Monty Python movies and success that comes with it. Those two people drove me crazy. Um, I also, well, I'll get into the other part later, but um, then just, so that was the big thing is, is those, those two people, a couple little things on top of that. Um, the, the ending, like the real ending of the film with a cast for song and dance ending, maybe the worst ending to a film I've ever seen in my life especially after you have the scene. Okay. So you have her dancing with Casper. You got to get past that. You, you at one point had Bill Pullman meeting his wife. You had all these, or not meeting, but reconnecting with his wife. You had all these like super powerful moments. And then you end with a stupid, like musical dance. And that was horrible. That was very, that was very 
that was aimed at kids 100% for sure. Like, yeah. all, like you said, we had all of our closing moments before that scene took place, thankfully. And then the last thing, this is just a very nitpicky thing, but the button that starts uh, Casper's dad's like top secret kind of change the world invention, it, do a better job of hiding it. It's a book left out on the table that like you open the book. If you do that in the books in a bookcase, it makes sense. But if you walked into that room and were looking at anything for two seconds, you'd go to move a book and you'd be like, this book's glued to the table. And, I, and if I open it, there's a secret button in it. But that's just a super nitpicky thing. So, um, do you have anything else? You good? Uh, yeah, I'm. 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 I'm good. You ready I, for I, the? I, I'm, I'm. I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I'm already <coughs> saying you like the modern small, small soldiers from what the text read. Is that still? Is that still hold up? Or is that? Has your thoughts on <laughs> changed at all since then? I can't remember what I get. What did I give small soldiers? A two something. I can't remember. I think it was a two point five. Okay, well, we'll we'll see. two. It might have been two. I can't remember now. I did. I did enjoy the movie more than Small Soldiers, regardless of what my score. Right. So, so rating. If you've never listened to the podcast before, we rate things on a our movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So, score of one is you get five minutes into it, um, dibs and Kerrigan get on the screen. And they're annoying you and you're like this is stupid i'm not watching this movie you return it that night so you don't have to pay a late fee up to a five which is you want to keep it at a few extra days maybe even just buy it from the the rental store because you don't want to bring it back you love the movie so um do i go first because it was your pick right yep so <clears throat> first things i liked about this movie christina ricci and the set that house and the whole thing were, were amazing but it was a little bit too long and for every one likable character, which is pretty much Ricci and Casper, there were two or three things, two or three characters that annoyed me like crazy. So Carrigan, Dibbs, the Ghost Brothers, even Bill Pullman drove me crazy a little bit. Um, Ricci was better than I'd expect a child actress to be. And honestly, I wanted more out of Bill Pullman. So um, Ricci, and I shouldn't even say child actress, Ricci was great, uh, regardless of how old she was. Maybe it was the right, as far as Pullman goes, maybe it was the writing and the character and there wasn't much he could do with it, but I think he could have done better. Um, this felt, and this is where, when I texted you earlier that I was like, you're not going to like my score, but I, I want you to hear my reason for it. This felt like a bad mix of two movies that I do enjoy. And those movies are hook and hocus pocus. Bill Pullman is not Robin Williams. And it felt like the whole time, he was playing like a shitty version of Robin Williams and Hook. And those ghosts are like horrible versions of the Sanderson sisters and, and Hocus Pocus. So I think this is this film is like a lesson in the value of a good or at least decent supporting cast. And this movie did not. It was Christina Ricci, like, get on my back and she did what she could. So I'm going to give you my score. And I want to read you a quote from Christina Ricci. I don't want to hear you or your quote. <laughs> so, no, my score is two out of five. And it's a real shame because Ricci is great and everyone else drags her down. Is her now, quote bashing Casper? Here's, here's the thing. <laughs> After the film's release, Christina Ricci disliked the movie and claimed, looking back, that movie sucked. It made no sense. I'm supposed to fall in love with a ghost. How does that work? And he's like cartoon, well, part of him. So I don't get that argument, Christina Ricci. All right. Well, she's it's, she's the star of the show. So it's, it's 
<laughs> she didn't read the comics before she signed up for the role. <laughs> real, real quick though, real quick though. Other things I didn't like, like are things that why, why? And I know they like kind of explain it that he had like one person to save, but like he saves the dad, which is great. Class move, Casper. Why, when the wife comes down, can't grant why did, permanent? Like, is that gonna yeah? Say, yeah, because know, again, this goes in the rules of like what they believe in for like heaven and angels i feel like i felt like the rules weren't explained as well which is my problem with the film and that goes yeah. for everything with with the ghosts the what they can touch her role so no that's that's another thing that I kind of it would have it would have made me i would have i would have liked the movie so much more if because then if if she was like because she starts off the conversation by saying he's going to be alive till 10 and he's like why not midnight cinderella got midnight and she's like you're 12 years old what if she was like, you know what? You only lived till 12. You didn't get a chance. Like, here All you right. go. Boom. And then if not, why are you having your daughter, not that she set this up, but her daughter basically falls in love with someone and gets her first kiss, I assume, from this guy that's going to be gone. And he, yeah. he, he melts right away right in front of her. All right, the I'm sequel. done talking. I want, I want to write fan fiction. I want to write the sequel. And Cat's father recreates the uh, the formula that Casper's dad made, and they bring Casper back forever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, that. I'm gonna yeah, get going. I'm, I'm gonna get going on that pretty soon. So, all, all right, right, I'm done talking. What's your score? All right, so I, your explanation. I looked at it. I looked at it a little more deeper, I think, than I probably should have. But I also watching this movie, the scenes that stuck out to me, like the ghostly trio and the villains, when they were on, I only saw, in my mind I only saw them for a couple of seconds because I was so like. Thankfully, they balanced it between they show Cat and Casper pretty consistently in between, so it wasn't like a long period of time. So it felt like it was a quick um, turnarounds for me. But I put Casper as a truly heartbreaking film, but yet really wholesome at the same time. This ghost starts off being alone, finds someone he can finally talk to, falls for her, sacrifices himself to save the father, and the only and then he only gets to spend a couple of hours as a human with the girl he likes. And mind you, Casper was once a twelve-year-old boy who died. But yet through all the darkness that this movie kind of like throws at you, which is a lot of darkness, they're outcasts basically. Both these people are outcasts. She's always moving around. She has no connections. He has no one because he's a goddamn ghost. But it was a nice like it was a nice friendship movie underneath all the fat, like you said. So that's why I was looking at it. I, I'm looking into it a little too <laughs> deep probably than I should be, but I really oh. love the scenes with Casper and Kat. And because of that, I would give it a three point five. Okay. And then so to bring up um, um, Small Soldiers. So the difference between the two of these movies for me is I think Small Soldiers was a bad idea for a movie done poorly. The reason this was like extra frustrating is like if, if they did this movie and just didn't have the brothers or even just toned them down quite a bit, it would have been way better. If the ending was different where he got another chance or or the dad was more likable and maybe the dad got another chance with I don't know how that would happen, but it, it, it there was an awesome movie here, especially with Christina Ricci. I I don't remember the last time I as an adult watched a movie and was like especially this isn't a knock on this movie, but this is kind of like a stupid nineties kids movie right it's just, it has a cheese factor 100 yeah. percent. and she was great she was she was awesome so she i don't remember the last time a child actor or actress carried a 
a film like this and she did her best it's just bill pullman and uh kerrigan and dibs were like yeah i'm gonna ruin this one for you but um <laughs> so i i i i wish it was i i wanted to like it more and i and i went back and forth if it wasn't for if they like made one or two little changes it would have been like probably a three or three and a half for me if christina ricci wasn't in this film i don't think i would have made it through it <laughs> she was, oh no she she really was like i said she was between her and casper like we both talked about they carried yeah. this film 100 percent. yeah yeah so um beer what did you think of the beer i know your ipas are it's it's good i mean it's i'm, I'm probably the worst person to ask because i just had an ipa what for the last one as well i think right the mango one was that was an ipa too wasn't it yep so i'm trying to compare what i remember from that but it's it's good i like it it's yeah i really like i i like i said i think i said at the beginning but if you're if you're trying to introduce if you like ipas Try, check it out if you can find it and if you're trying to introduce a friend to like quality ipas i think it's a great one to be like here try this because it's 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 pretty good so and it's not super boozy so um as far as the next movie um follow us on instagram suggestions always welcome um we'll be back uh next week with something uh where it, it's going to be my pick next week unless if you guys shoot us a message on uh worth a late fee on instagram um you can kind of cut to the front of the line and we'll use the movie that you want us to pick. So, but if not, it's going to be my pick. My last pick was a nineties film, uh, league of their own. And so I'm going back and forth, going back to the eighties. We're going very eighties. This film is a cult classic that I would say that most people, my age are definitely not Joe's age. Most people haven't seen it. I'm 99.9% sure Joe hasn't seen it. This is a story about love it's a story about chasing a dream story about fate we're going to wrestle shoot we're watching and reviewing vision quest the matthew modine i have not seen vision quest so <laughs> you talk yes about i oh, we are i watching. am very i have the dvd so you can just you can just borrow the dvd you don't have to pay to rent it or anything like that um can, you even rent it? can, it, can i be rented online like would they even have that available vision quest <laughs> no vision quest is vision quest is like i can't think of a movie from like your it's it involves high school wrestling so for people that wrestled which i didn't in high school it's like a cult classic and it's also just an 80s the soundtrack's unreal one of the best 80s soundtracks that you can find but um so it's it's a total cult classic Every, not a lot of people have seen it some people see it and they love it and a lot of people see it and they're like this is probably gonna be you that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's it's something that is I've I've always really liked because it's like it's it's you know, it's an, it's very eighties. So Okay. We'll, no, we'll so see what you yeah, we'll see what you think about it. But so yeah, right. next week we're gonna be back with Vision Quest unless someone cuts in front and sends us a message and says, uh, hey, we're uh, I want you to review X or Y. So other than that, thank you guys very much for listening. It's been it's been good and uh, we'll be back next week. Yep. Thanks, guys.